because Sunday just wouldn't exist without it. Thank you, Kristen18 of Massachusetts. This is MuggleCast episode 46 for July 1st, 2006. See why GoDaddy.com is the number one domain registrar worldwide. Now with your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just six ninety five a year. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this live... E- oh, oh, wait, Whoops. no, no it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Shane. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm still last, even after being away for ages. <laughs> I'm Jamie Lawrence. <laughs> Three co-hosts return this week. Kevin and Jamie, you've been off for a while. Um, and Laura, we just don't care about you. <laughs> but yeah, we were, we were going to do the live podcast this week, and uh, Skypecast apparently cannot handle... Or too much. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, cast is too hot to handle. <laughs> there, there's the title for this week's show. Too, too hot, hot to handle. Perfect. perfect. Too hot I to handle. It. <laughs> I love it. All right. So before we do anything else, we already have a title already. Let's just wrap the show up now. Yeah. Good night, <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Mike Tannenbaum is standing by in the MuggleCast News Center with the latest Harry Potter news stories. Back in May, Bloomsbury co-founder Liz Calder predicted that the seventh book in the Potter series would be released in 2007. Now, a new article released by Reuters also predicts the same. It reads, Harry Potter fans will have to wait until next year for the latest installment of the Boy Wizard's antics to come out in hardback. The paperback version of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince has gone to number one since its launch, the company said. USA Today wanted to know which characters the experts thought were going to die in Book 7, so they asked Emerson and Melissa from the Leaky Cauldron to give some odds. If you head over to MuggleNet.com, you can read the full article. And even though they called them separately, notice the similarity of the numbers they provided. Must be that love connection. For their work on Goblet of Fire, Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson have been nominated for Sci-Fi Genre Awards in the categories of Best Actor and Best Actress, respectively. Well, we hope. The pair has also picked up nominations for Best Young Actor, and the fourth Harry Potter movie is up for Best Film. Voting will commence on July 10th, finishing 30 days later. James Walter's Young Sirius Black recently did an interview with Harry Potter Fan Zone in which he discussed the Order of the Phoenix set, how he landed the role, other cast members, filming, and director David Yates. The Queen's 80th birthday celebration at Buckingham Palace took place last Sunday and a report by CBBC Newsround stated that J.K. Rowling was one of the first stars to arrive. Additionally, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, and Matthew Lewis were in attendance to see the show. There is video, photographs, screen caps, and reports available from the birthday bash over on MuggleNet.com. And on Monday, Joe did a rare live interview on UK talk show Richard and Judy where she revealed some interesting information. Again, video transcript and screenshots from the interview are available over on MuggleNet.com. She discussed the potential of Harry Potter being killed in the final book and said one character got a reprieve and two died that I didn't intend to die. And while JK didn't divulge the characters on the show, she did sit down and talk to me afterwards, revealing just who was saved and the duo that she killed. And this is earth-shattering news. The two who die are and while the one who received the reprieve is Can you all believe that? That's all the news for this July 1st, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Alright, thank you, Micah. <laughs> or should I say, Mizaika. 
recommended by Katie Brown. Or, 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 M to the T-Dog. Oh, oh. fancy. <laughs> How about you? Sir Bombs a lot. <laughs> Sir Bombs a lot. <laughs> that's funny on a few different levels. Dude, you can't say bomb on that's Skype. Some, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> What'd you... So, <laughs> funny on... It is funny on a few different levels. It is. It is. It, it is. That one comes from uh, Caitlin, 16, from Chicago. Keep the names coming. <laughs> All right. So, as we said, uh, MongoCast Live did not work out like we hyped up so much. And we yeah, are going well, to Yeah, you be... hyped up. Yeah. I was excited. What can I say? Um, we are working on getting a streaming server. We had a couple people email email us in to help us out, um, but it looks like Jeremy is going to help us set up a entire system where we could stream the show, and as many people can come in as they want, and there won't be any problems. It'll work a lot better than Skype casts. Las Vegas and New York City are quickly approaching. We remind everyone to visit leakymug.com, our brand new Leaky Mug website in association with Pottercast and Leaky Cauldron. <clears throat> you can RSVP for either shows or both of them just by going there. You can also find out information on the Leaky Mug uh, about the co-host and Mucho Moro. Jamie, Moro. <clears throat> you haven't been on the show for a while, but you're you're always IMing us and letting us know how excited you are for this podcast. I am. Why don't you let I everyone am. know? I am ridiculously excited. Jamie. Yes, ben. Jamie. If you had to use two two words to describe, yeah, how excited uh, two year two words to describe how you're feeling about Vegas, would you say proud and excited? That is yes. a fair assessment. I'd say I'd say I'd say I'm proud, excited, pleased to. Uh, oh, that's three words. Uh, <laughs> no, I am I am so excited. If I try and speak the words to say how excited I am, they won't come out just because the English language can't convey. Such excitement, in fact. <laughs> okay, now, now you're probably giving the people impression that you're being sarcastic. No, okay, sorry. <laughs> I, no. I'm not being I'm not being sarcastic. I actually can't this wait. Is, this is your second trip back to the US, right? It is, but um, uh, I'm not used to such uh, heat, so I am actually just going to melt and be, oh. and be a puddle on the floor. Oh, okay. climate. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, um, 106 degrees. The closest I've got to that is like sticking my head in it an oven, which I do do regularly, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a self-tanning. It's method. a British right. custom. And then, it's a British and then custom. let's tell people about your trip. Then after Vegas, you're coming. You're actually staying at my house. Which oh, is yeah. totally oh, yeah. weird. With me, ben. me, and Jamie and I are gonna cuddle. We're gonna. Uh, <laughs> we are gonna cuddle. <laughs> We're gonna show you a time in Medford. Oh yeah, <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> Great time there. Boy, oh boy. And um, oh darn, I gave out my location. And then we're going to go up to New York City, and it's all going to be a lot of fun. So don't forget LeakyMug.com. Uh, also, Jamie's favorite announcement, buy a MuggleCast t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Or else you have no reason to live. Please, please, please buy them. I mean, we've never mentioned it before, but we do need to, finally, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Hey, guys. What, Ben? I, I have a special, a very special top ten list this week. <gasps> oh. Ooh. That, that yes. has to go in right now. Okay. Oh, jeez. Oh, All right. Okay. This is this is dire. Just give me one second okay. to pull it up. Um, top ten list has been gone for quite some time. Okay. And so it's absolutely essential we bring it back this week. And here's why: the top ten reasons to buy eleven more MuggleCast T-shirts. Was this created by oh, you or someone God. else? Someone sent this in. Thanks <laughs> oh, to okay. Kate. Oh, since okay. every since everyone bought one for the National T-shirt Day, of course. Okay, number ten. Support MuggleCast so it can be bu- so it can be brought to you to your iPod every week. 
Number nine, Andrew worked so hard to get his bill passed by Congress to make a National MuggleCast t-shirt day in the first place. Number eight, the MuggleCasters will be able to afford food in Nevada for the live podcast. Number seven, because we might as well make June National Wear Your MuggleCast t-shirt month, and you'll need more as they wear out. Number six, you have to buy them or else you can't listen to the show which becomes the new rule for MuggleCast. Well, like Number five, you can look cool in your Abercrombie and Fitch and your Air Apostle. But seriously, how about a nice 100% cotton black MuggleCast t-shirt? <laughs> Fruits yeah. of the loom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not even Fruits of the Loom. <laughs> oh my God, if it's not Fruits of the Loom, then yeah. here's Hey, here's my favorite. Here's what? my favorite. Number what? four. You're going to be paying for Jamie's food because he's poor and he's I living am, on the streets. And has pieced to, and has pieced together a computer and headset with stale scraps of bread, I have. an empty toilet roll, toilet paper roll holder, and and, and an old and, spoon to record the show. And and uh, the tears of small children as well. Yeah, that's that number is, three. That is a Chuck Norris quote. Hey Ben, also, yeah. if it's your favorite, why isn't it number one? That's like saying my top ten nah. favorite places. My favorite's number four. Why isn't it? Hey, hey, be quiet. <laughs> Number three. A portion of the MuggleCast t-shirt revenue goes to supplying JKR with lined paper. Yes. Number two. Although you don't know who manufactures Tootsie Rolls, you do know <laughs> who makes MuggleCast t-shirts, and you know that you're going to get your money's worth from MuggleCast. And number one. MuggleCast t-shirts are made out of a special synthetic fabric, and in like one year, there's going to be something big that happens, and all the clothing in the entire world is going to deteriorate, and we are all going to have left... Uh, all we're going to have left are these MuggleCast t-shirts. So if you want clothing, buy a MuggleCast t-shirt. <laughs> Please. So there's the top ten reasons to buy 11 more MuggleCast t-shirts. I thought it was going to say there's a special chemical in it that's going to make it degrade into pieces and force people to buy a new one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's not a um, bad one, idea. One final announcement. No, we still, I still got one. But one one more announcement before we go to Andrews. Um, I'm starting a segment next starting next week called... Ben's mailbag. The packages he hasn't sent Jamie, Laura, <laughs> or anyone else. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, no kidding. Let's do that. <laughs> no, actually, actually, um, I'd like to take a time right now. Next week, I'll actually start a real segment, but I'd like to take time right now to thank two special souls for sending me Subway gift cards. Thank you very much. I forgot. Okay, now just one more piece of business here. As some of you may know, the second annual Podcast Awards start on July 1st, and the Podcast Awards are recognized around the podcasting community as the pinnacle of all podcasting recognition. So this year we want to enter the Podcast Awards, and we're shooting for the categories of Podcast of the Year and Best Entertainment Podcast. We definitely think we're – I definitely think we're able to – we'd be able to uh, get in – what? Sorry, we're in one more category as well. It's the uh, best podcast called MuggleCast. We're the only... Uh, uh, <laughs> funny. That's funny, yeah. That was, that was lame as hell. I, yeah. <laughs> I hope we win. You are the... I hope we win. You're some, I'm going to name you server bombs a lot. Oh! Hey. <laughs> so, um, the first phase of these awards is the nomination process, which is done by you guys, the listeners, and we have complete faith in being able to pick up a nomination. So we are asking you for your help. To nominate MuggleCast, visit podcastawards.com and fill out the nomination form. A link can be found on mugglecast.com as well. The form asks for the name of the podcast you're nominating, which is MuggleCast, the podcast URL, which is www.mugglecast.com, your name, 
your email address, which is used to verify your nomination. There's also a comment box where you let the judges know why you think the podcast is deserving of being nominated to the category. So please help us out. And again, voting begins on July 1st. It runs through July 15th. We ask everyone to support the show by nominating us, and we thank everyone very, very much in advance. Then the podcast uh, word ceremony, the award show is late September at the Portable Media Expo and uh, last in year Ontario, California Ooh. yeah and um, we, we really really would like to really go to California would like to win this <laughs> yeah. yeah well we that's really want to go to California so please nominate us <laughs> no but seriously we, we really would love to win the award go to and California show uh, all the podcasters out there that uh, Harry Potter podcast can yeah there you go so thank you everyone and visit com. For full and um, yeah. in order to finance our future trip to California, purchase a MuggleCast t-shirt today. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or 11 of them. 11. That does it for this week's announcements. Now moving on to listener rebuttals. Megan, 14 of New Jersey, representing. Megan writes, hey guys, the Pyramids of Ferment title for Book 7 was a rumor and was debunked a month ago. Sorry, Angie, you're still my favorite. So yeah, I sort of missed that. Or I could just say that J.K. Rowling added that to the rumors portion of her site after the show came out. I'll stick with that one. Next up, Kaylee, 15, from California. She writes, and this is a really interesting uh, theory here to extend on my Book (coughs) 7 theory, title theory, whatever you want to call it. Hi, guys. I just wanted to say that I love the show, and I have a rebuttal for when Andrew suggested possible book titles for Book 7, particularly for the Chariots of Light. I recently read an editorial by Lady Lupin from the column Spinner's End, and she talked about tarot cards relating to the Horcruxes. The editorial says that the chariot represents the understanding and harmonizing of opposing forces to creating triumphant resolution to problems. Okay such as the quest horcruxes or the final battle. Interestingly, it also can represent the integration of body and soul. And she writes, Voldemort and his horcruxes, scary thought. And this was Lady Lupin, editorial number three. Um, So she was wondering if we had any input on that. Mm. I think that's really interesting. It is interesting. Because then I'll quote again, the chariot represents the understanding and harmonizing her, her, harmonizing of, of opposing forces to bring about an end to strife and difficulty. So, where, um, where did this title come from, The Chariots of Light? Well, it's basically... Did you make it up, okay. No, Yes, okay. I made it up. No, <laughs> I called J.K. Rowling. No, um, the UK Patent and Trademark oh, Office, yeah. you oh, yeah. do a search uh, for you know, all that. You might have heard about that a while ago. By that sea trading um, company or something, wasn't it? Yeah, so they've they've withdrawn all the bogus trademarks except for three, Pyramids of Ferment. I don't even know why they have that anymore. Maybe because she brought no, it up on no, her rumors it's not. page. I don't think it's going to be for... Um, I don't think it's going to be for books or anything. It's going to be for, like, uh, merchandise and, uh, you know, board games, right. trading cards, just, you know, stuff like that, which it could be useful for. Or it could just be a complete ploy. Uh, it probably know, just, uh, is a ploy. Right, well... Create, create well, discussion. Listen, uh, the thing was, they had 15 other titles already trademarked, but then they withdrew them. And the only ones that are trademarked right now are the titles of all the books and those three last titles. And Half-Blood Prince was actually actually registered back in 2003. Um, by who? But, you know, it came out in, by Warner Brothers or but, whoever. Is yeah, but the thing is, they don't own the... Uh, they shouldn't own the trademarks of the books. Yeah, they do. They own the rights. What they own the rights to the name and stuff, so they can't go printing it. So people can't go wait, printing wait, it wait. shirts w- and Warner whatever. Brothers own the name. Yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty I sure it's Warner Brothers. Yeah. yeah, they aren't they aren't the publishing company or have anything to do no, with the books. But, like, 
they don't. They it don't doesn't matter though the right because set. they don't want people infringing right. on that name. Is what's happening. no because yeah. I'm just I'm opening my book up right now and it says copyright 2005 Warner Brothers. But um, in the book, yeah, in the book, I never knew it said it in the book. <laughs> Jeez, oh, that's interesting. Those words. Nonetheless, okay, so. Pyramids of Fermat is a dud and not going to happen. But this Chariots of Light is very convincing. Um, so mark my words. Yeah. I have the title of the book seven. I think it's interesting, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't think. I think it's. I I understand the skeptic. Uh, I've got to have skepticism about this. It just doesn't sound. I don't know. I would think that as she gets closer to completing the book, we're going to see a bunch of possible titles pop up on the copyright mm-hmm. site, and we'll right. have to guess which one it is. I guess. Ferrets of Fire is the um, music that plays when you're uh, in the cornfield <laughs> with Emma, and they, you're, you're, you know, yeah, moving towards... Yeah. How's it go, Jamie? It goes... Din, 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 bum, bum. And then, oh, Emma, oh, Ben. Oh, Emma, oh, Ben, oh, Emma, oh, Ben, oh, Ben, oh, Emma, Bema, Bema, M, M, Bema, Bem, Ben, Bem. All right, next we brought a Morgan uh, 15 of Seattle. Hey, guys, love the show. On episode 45, you were talking about an item of Ravenclaw's that could be a Horcrux. I was thinking that could be a quill or a book. Right, you know, Ravenclaw valued intelligence and ambition, so when it makes sense that something she would have kept close to her was a favorite book or quill. And End that's quotes. the end of that one. That's yes, the end of that one. I said it, I said it. <laughs> I love you, Andrew. (laughs) End quote. So. (laughs) Okay. Can I start this one? Yeah. Okay. I would say that um, uh, it was mentioned in the book that specifically Voldemort liked, you know, trophies and a book or a quill. I mean, you know, a book, obviously, the, um, his diary, but that's, you know, completely different to just a normal book. It seems like um, it would have to be, you know, a lot more important than a book or a quill. He likes shiny things. Yeah. I just think it would have to be more important than that. Yeah, I think so, too. Chase17 of Illinois writes, quote, I'm not sure I agree with what you said in MuggleCast 45 about what happens when someone removes something or to put it in a pensive. If you remember in Order of the Phoenix when Snape was teaching Harry Occlumency. 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 Snape removes certain memories he did not want Harry to see. Therefore, I believe that once a memory is removed, it is no longer in the brain at all. You still have a recollection of removing a memory so you can return it, but I do not think you have any trace of it left after it is removed. Plus, when Slughorn was able to tell Harry what went on between him and Voldemort, he still had the memory in his brain. He didn't give it to Harry till after he explained himself. So what do you think, Ben? This was your theory on last last week's show. I think, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm still pretty sure that the memory's still there. Because that, that wouldn't make sense for the memory to disappear completely from your mind. That's like saying... No, that just wouldn't make sense. Well, I understand well, where you're coming from, but I've just been sort of rereading Order of the Phoenix, and whenever Snape is about to teach Harry, he removes the memories because he doesn't want true, Harry yeah. to see them, and if they weren't there, Harry would be, you know, if, he, if they were, yep. Harry would be able to see them. What would be the point of putting them in the pensive if you're going to, uh, Ooh, if it's less. not going to hide them? Not to mention, Dumbledore said, you know, if, like me, you find that your memory is crowded, you can remove memories and put them in the pensive. But when they I, say I don't think it has there been a- anywhere in the books where it says that if you take one out you you know um, create space for new memories or is it just that <laughs> it's is it like a I computer mean, like, Jamie I, I don't think yeah I don't think it's like a hard drive if you have a hard drive up there you can only have so many memories 
then it crashes. Well, I don't think it's it's meant to be that way. I think it's more of a method of protection. What? So that if you get captured and tortured, yeah, Yeah, so that no one can, you know, shove Verad down your throat. There's no way that's true because because why would Dumbledore leave his basin with his with his memories in it sitting out there in plain view when? You know, well, it wasn't really in plain view. It? What happens if you it. spill your pencil? Yeah, but you you don't know what type of protection is on that. Oh, Harry just dived right into it. Yeah, but that that's Dumbledore. Well, maybe Dumbledore meant for him to see exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense that he would have a place to store his memories if he didn't have a reason to store them there. Not to not to mention, remember the fact that Dumbledore put the. Uh, Enchantment on the mirror of Erised, so that you couldn't get the stone unless you actually needed it. What I mean you know what prevents him from putting something like that on? I think the reason that Dumbledore was using a pensive to store his memories was so that after he was gone, I mean he knew his death was imminent, that it would make sense for him to have that, so uh, someone like Harry could use the knowledge that he's accrued through all of his years to be able to become successful on his journey to defeat Voldemort. But then why would Snape store his memories in the pensive? I don't know. I mean, like, for example, the the one memory that Snape had of, uh, of the one memory, you know, Snape's worst memory, the chapter that's in Order of the Phoenix, it's the case where he, you know, that may be... Like, he had a crush on Lily Evans, and it may be the case where that's the only memory he has of her, so he wants to keep it safe. No, but, but like... Um, it doesn't make sense for you to say that if I extra- if you extract it from your head that you're never... It could, you it could be, though. It could be, though. No, but... That's the only way you can... Re- because How I think you would have a recollection, but you wouldn't have the memory itself. But what you know defines what I mean? a memory, though? Be- but, Ben, 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 um, say if you took out the visual memory of... Uh, Snape's worst memory. Yeah, he 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 could probably still see in his mind, you know, the words. Um, at this time, they picked me up and put me down, but he couldn't see it visually. Maybe that's a that doesn't make sense. Well, I'm sorry, Ben. That... <laughs> you should be. You have a do- you clearly have a doctorate in, I don't know, <laughs> wizard yeah, memories. Well, it doesn't make sense that Snape would take those memories out to protect them from Harry seeing them, and then you know. Have exactly, Harry be able yeah. to have access yeah. to them. That's <laughs> really convincing, and I guess. <laughs> Character discussion this week, we're returning back. We're, well, we're bringing the segment back. We haven't done it in a couple of Actually, shows. Actually, two weeks uh, ago. The week you were gone, we did it. That's a couple. That's okay. a couple. <laughs> we're going to discuss Voldemort. We saved Voldemort for this week because we were doing the live show, but now uh, we'll do it pre-recorded anyway, so... Tom Marvolo Riddle, otherwise known as Lord Voldemort, possibly the greatest dark wizard of all time, was born to Ropey Gaunt on December 31st, 1926. Voldemort grew up shunned by his father, this being the reason he hates muggles and anyone associated with them. He is extremely powerful, using his talents to commit such unimaginable atrocities that many witches and wizards fear speaking his name and replace it instead with, quote, Oh my, oh my god! god. No, hyphen who, end quote, or... <laughs> Just what? Andrew. <laughs> he who must not be named. All right, I'll get rid of the hyphen. Sorry. Or qu- quote H E hyphen W H O. Well, I don't want to say it. Voldemort returned to power at the end of Goblet of Fire and is now obsessed with finding out how to destroy the boy who lived. Can I just say, um, in like f- in- what? Well, two things. In about four episodes' time, can we do a Muggle Cast Parcel Tongue <laughs> edition? Everything's impossible. 
Yeah, because yeah. I have my yeah, I have yeah, my parcel tongue books right beside me. I'm I'm studying it. Yeah, exactly. I thought we all did. What about um you've put that he is extremely powerful, um, using his talents to commit such unimaginable atrocities that many witches and wizards fear speaking his name. Um is that because I mean, do you think it's only him that could um become this powerful and use these talents? Or is it like or is it just that any person can do it, but nobody's evil enough apart from him to do it. Well, Jamie, I think he was born completely evil because his mother was a descendant of Salazar's. I don't think anyone's born evil. No, and Andrew, um, you can't really say that because, like, um, well, I mean, you know, it's an argument, but, like, um, Hitler's Grand, I think grandsons or great grandsons, you know, are completely, um, absolutely disgusted by him, and but they've just said that they aren't having any children because... Just well, no, so, I'm, you know, okay, he can't continue his bloodline. Yeah, but but this is the magic world, and there could be something in the bloodline. That's I know. It's just it's just interesting, though, you know, to make the comparison. I'm one of those people who don't blame the kids for the sins of the father. I guess, kind of. No, same. I agree. I agree. It's uh, that's because you you are a Dave man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bad, bad. What do you think, Laura? Well, I think that it's kind of important to mention when we first met Moropi in Half-Blood Prince, is it just me or did it kind of describe that she had odd facial features? They were almost sort of off in a way and that her eyes kind of veered off in different directions. And we've seen that the pure-blood families tend to interbreed with one another and you can definitely get some weird gene mutations from that. That's so true. sounds like Kansas. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> Georgia too. But I think is he could have something a little wrong up in his head, but I think that six finger city. <laughs> I think that he was definitely born a little more evil than anyone else because we saw as a child that he did terrible things like hang bunny rabbits and But when you say evil, do you mean like um cruel um, Antisocial yeah, like, personality disorder. No, no. So he's like he's a sociopath. He's not. He he isn't. He isn't. I mean, I, it's quite hard to say evil, you know, because like uh, when you compare him to. Um, sorry, go. Well, at the same time, though, I think that some of his childhood events kind of had a huge bearing on what he became because he couldn't understand why Lily would sacrifice herself for Harry because no one would have ever done that for him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. He doesn't want to. He doesn't know what love is. He wants uh, to know what love is. I want Why is there a song associated with everything today? <laughs> I want to feel what love is. Oh, boy. Kevin, what do you think? I, I said exactly what I wanted to. I don't believe that someone is responsible for the sins of their father. I don't think that you're born evil. I I really don't think you're born evil. I think that the environment you grow up in or perhaps exactly yeah yeah it defines you and he just ended up growing in a it's our choices harry far more than our abilities yeah but how many how many kids in orphanages hang bunny rabbits yeah that's not normal yeah but Isn't i it? mean okay maybe he wasn't <laughs> born completely up. evil but he might have been born messed up like whoever just said that said i mean yeah like laura <laughs> like laura pointed out 
Little kids don't do those things to bunnies. I thought it was normal. Using the magic of uh, rightly, Eric's opinion is that Voldemort decided, chose to look at his life half empty as opposed to half full. He wasn't abused or tortured as a kid, just parentless. He could have had friends, and his orphan matrons could have been parents to him if he chose to see them as that. And he decided to bring torture and that kind of stuff on his terrified classmates, therefore he was born evil. Well, that's... that's, because oh, when when it, he was a baby, he didn't sort of he didn't make sort, a conscious of, you know, choice. Exactly. Wriggle and crawl and kill bunnies. Yeah, that's a good. It was hold on, That's a good point, though. I mean, if you're not brought up with in in a regular family and you don't have parents to look up to, you're messed. Which up. which would be environmental. Exactly. I exactly. Mean, it's, so it's nurture. So, so it's nurture, not nature. Okay, I like that. I changed my mind. <laughs> That's not true. The environment may play a factor, but I completely disagree, man. What? With what? The parents no, don't the play parents the role? Do play, the parents do play a role. But what I'm saying is that he had the choice to... He had two paths to choose, you know. He could have chose to battle against adversity and work his way through it and become a better person out of it, or he could be, choose to become this dark... Yeah, but the question is, guy. what would make him make that choice to become the dark wizard? Why would he choose that? Personality disorder. But where would he get his personality? Because he has a hunger for power. Because he has a hunger for power and he's got this magic that could be used to harness the power. I think it was exactly what Jamie said, nurture. He wasn't properly brought up. Well, that, well that's what we're saying, exactly. but it's also, yeah. he was power hungry. He could, I mean, you could be born to want to be power hungry. I don't know. I think there was some sort of point in stating that the pureblood families all tend to interbreed because while we know that your personality isn't necessarily passed on to you by your parents if you've never known them like Voldemort did, but there can be certain diseases or sicknesses or disorders that you can That's get genetically true, yeah, that can cause other issues. I don't know how prevalent uh, genetic disorders are in the magical world. So I don't know. Merope sounded pretty messed up <laughs> to me. Yeah, but I don't know. Don't you think with something like magic, they would have cures and stuff for things like manic depression? and? Well, why would they? They can't even stop a killing curse. Because it's the magical world. They have magic. Which they can't use to stop a killing curse. Right, but they, they can cure a common no, cold. No, but I think that magic's a kind of um, inexact science magic, just like medicine or veterinary science because um it has to be learned it, yeah. it has to be learned and like they can mm-hmm. discover spells in 50 years that are, that do different things you know and like i'm sure 10,000 years ago they couldn't you know cure colds or stuff like that or you know it's still people still learn stuff they can't just click their fingers and they know everything it's like that they can't be um all wise you know all powerful at everything right, well, let's move on to the next question oh i like this one can i say it <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Can. Three. Why was Voldemort offering Lily so many chances to live? Well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you don't have to say the number. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Section six. Question three. <laughs> Why was Voldemort offering Lily so many chances to live? Joe says he actually would have let her live. Would have let her live if what? Was there a second part to that sentence? He gave her the opportunity to live so many times. Stand aside. Oh, I see. I think we've discussed this before. And he said it more than once, too. Because I think I I remember us saying something about him being manipulative and looking for people who could further his cause. And it just so happened that Lily may have been in the position where 
you know, she could have contributed to bringing down the Ministry of Magic. Or, or, or at the same no, time, Snape or, liked... Yeah, well, I think what, it was what more if Snape that, um, put in the good word and said, Don't exactly. Her, no, no. That's a possibility. But, yeah, I think that's what makes it a little more interesting, because we discussed the possibility that Snape might have been there. What about, though, um, that he just didn't see her as enough of a threat, uh, you know, in uh, power, magical power? He had to kill James, since he... Uh, you know, he could have hurt him, disabled him, whatever. But Lily, you know, she was clutching Harry. She couldn't do complicated one work. And that he was so set in his mind that he had to kill Harry that he didn't really have time for secondary objectives like that. And the only reason he he killed James was because he had to, whereas he thought perhaps he didn't have time to kill Lily or people would already be on their way, you know. Mm, I don't maybe. know, because I think it was Hagrid that said in the first book that Voldemort got to the point where he just liked killing. Yeah, that's true. And I don't think that he would just walk into a house and kill everybody in it and let one person survive. I think there's definitely a big underlying reason as to why he did that. Because in the interview um, last summer where Emerson and Melissa went and talked to Joe, she said, I can't tell you. Oh, right, yeah. So I think it's something I, yeah, I think very it, important. It probably is, yeah. So we know that Dumbledore was, quote, unquote, the only man he ever feared. The only be- one, you sexist The only pig. one. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> the, the only, what? It says the only one he ever feared. You said the only man. The you only said human, only man. The only human being. Sorry. The you only jerk. Homo sapien. <laughs> we know that Dumbledore was the only one he ever feared, but why? He is powerful, yes, but isn't Harry his real No, no, because I... Hold on, no. I'm answering this. No. <laughs> it's because it's because I, Dumbledore. Okay, fine. No, no. I was, I was going to say that it's because um, Voldemort had to get to a table tennis game, England against uh, Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, so he had to go Dumbledore. No, no, no. The thing is, is that um, he he didn't see Harry as a as like powerful magically. He just thought right, that he he, he could be his obstacle. He had the potential to be his obstacle, but he had to get him out of the way quickly. And this relates back to, to the previous point about why he uh, didn't kill Lily. Perhaps he just thought he had to get rid of Harry before he gets you know, too big for his boots. Whereas Dumbledore, he thought, could stop him and could um, and the, he, he had the power to kill him because Voldemort thinks that the only you know, bad thing is death. So perhaps he, he realised that Dumbledore knew about the Horcruxes so that he feared that he could you know, get rid of them and then kill him. Well, I think he might have definitely had some fear of Dumbledore from when he went to school. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because Dumbledore was really the only one who suspected him of having opened the chamber. And he always probably saw Dumbledore as the person who would expose him. What will the outcome of Book 7 be for him? If Harry kills him, will he come back as a ghost, etc.? Well, aren't we supposed to learn in Book 7 um, how, how ghosts or who... Yeah, we are, yeah. What determines what makes a ghost? We already learned that, didn't we? Nick told... Nick told... Like yeah, an imprint of themselves on um, on Earth. But you couldn't... Right, I mean, but could a, could a ghost leave Voldemort be able to no, rally he a doesn't have, No. He I doesn't don't have think so. Business, it's true, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's finished. It, you know, it's finished. He's a... Uh, you can't just, like, not like what happened to you in real life and come back because of that. I think it's like if you get killed prematurely before you've got to do something. You know, I mean... It, the whole fate stroke destiny argument comes in here, but if you if you're destined to do something and you get killed prematurely, perhaps you have to come back and finish that off. Whereas the Voldemort Harry thing has gone through to conclusion. Uh, when if Voldemort dies, so you know it's uh. So you're saying if Voldemort got run over by a bus before yeah. he got a meet 
before he had the chance to meet Harry in the final battle, then then he would then he could come back as a character. I don't think so. No, I don't think it, no, because that would just be you know half of the half of the it would just conclude the whole thing anyway. It wouldn't like I think I think say if um, if somebody has um, um I'm thinking I'm thinking. If they if they have like a big part in creating I don't know magical you know cooperation around the world or if or if one thing can't happen because somebody dies something like that I think perhaps then they come back or if say or if say they have a duty to guide somebody through life or something like that so then they come back but I don't think they can come back just because the odds didn't you know suit them during life. Well, I've always been of the opinion that regardless of what happens to Voldemort, he could never come back as a ghost because his soul isn't whole. His soul is fragmented and scattered everywhere, and I've always really been of the opinion that you've got to have a complete soul to be able to come back. I don't know about that. Interesting. So there. Maybe that's how it is brought up in Book 7. Yeah, but I mean, we don't know enough about what it takes to be a ghost to really, truly judge. No, we don't. That's just my opinion. (laughs) What constitutes a ghost? Because a ghost doesn't have a brain, well, you know, it doesn't have a brain in him, so it must just have a mind, a sort of ethereal mind somewhere. I don't know. So now we're going to move on to give me a butterbeer. <gasps> wait, and the... Andrew, Andrew, wait, wait. What? What? <laughs> what is um? What? what is this? What is this? <laughs> give me a butterbeer. What is it? What is it? Well, Jamie, boys, is scripted. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Give scripted. me a butterbeer. Give me a butterbeer is Ben's segment where he whines about something in the Harry Potter world. Ah, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> not whining, but <laughs> expressing his concern. Andrew, thank you for telling <laughs> me about that segment. You're welcome. <laughs> so we're, you, you'll be able to experience one now. This week we're going back to the traditional format of give me a butterbeer. Last week was a little out there, but we're back and better than ever. <laughs> Yeah. There was something in the media this past week that really got on my nerves. Last night, I was sitting in my co- sitting at my computer, working on Muggle End, and my older brother walked in the room and said, Is it true that the Harry Potter author is going to kill the main character? I looked at him and sighed. The media has blown things out of proportion again. During an interview with the UK talk show Richard and Judy... Jamie, are you a big fan of that show? Uh, I've seen it a few times. It's okay. It's like... Um... Oprah? It's it's been when well, no, oh god no no it isn't at all it's just two um it's two people interviewing say uh, one person <laughs> two, two on one yeah it's, 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 it's <laughs> I know it sounds obvious yeah, but yeah. it's two people Richard and uh, Judy <laughs> yeah <laughs> Judy. <laughs> I it was either way either way either way thanks for that uh, way. all right during her interview yeah, like, during her interview whatever. on the talk show J.K. Rowling said like she has said countless times before that no character in the series is safe. Her exact words were, we are dealing with pure evil, so they don't target the extras, do they? They go straight for the main characters. Or I do. Just like little kids, the media has asked JKR the same question time and time again, if she plans to kill off Harry, thinking that the next time she might just give away the entire ending to the series she's been formulating for the past 16 years. Yeah. Right. Sure, this was her first ever live TV TV interview that she's participated in. And sure, she did offer quite a bit of information about Book 7, such as the fact that she is now going to kill off two additional characters than originally planned, while one who who initially got the axe will be saved. The Wizarding World is at war, people. Of course people are going to die. 
don't hate me for this, but I honestly think that I honestly think it would be pretty cool if Harry did die in book seven. Maybe I'm just a bitter young man, but seeing the headlines about Joe planning to kill off Harry in book seven are starting to get a little more than annoying. I guess when you're in her shoes, you're going to be forced to answer the same question a million times. But that's what gets me. The answer never changes, but the media still reacts the same. And worst of all, they still pull an Andrew and mispronounce her name by calling her J.K. Rowling instead of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I'm Ben Shane, and I say, give me a butterbeer. I like that, Ben. I like that. Thank you. Well, I don't think that Hermione's going to get the axe, but um, I'm not sure that's really pertinent Relevant. to the discussion at hand. I think <laughs> that this is... <laughs> Shut up, Jamie. <laughs> anyway, um, I really think that this is a very large-scale problem that we have with the media, and we will probably always have with the media, because it's not just with Harry Potter. They like to do this with everything. So, Ben, thank you. But isn't that part of the media, especially some media? You know, it's like you expect, say, um, the tabloids are always going to sensationalize stuff. It's like that's why they uh, report right. it. It's like yeah, but that, they're, they're that's why they have that. exactly. That's yeah, but, what um, tabloids are there for. Wait, exactly. When you're, when you're so, talking about actual interviews, the fact that people ask the same question over and over and over is though one day she's just going to break down and but, say, but, "Yes, I hate Harry. I'm going to kill but, him." But it's you're ridiculous. you're speaking from the point of view of. A big fan of Harry Potter. Every single person who listens to this show exactly. is a big fan of Harry Potter. So they what about have the, heard it many times before. The, uh, the general public, exactly. People tuning in to Richard and Judy aren't going to be, apart from the people who have seen it advertised, say, on the site or, or in a TV magazine, and, you know, and just want to see Joe on there, the people who have tuned in just because they watch Richard and Judy yeah, won't they go by know demographic. about all I mean, the stuff that we, know, that we know about. So they have to see it. So they have to Yeah, if the demographic you know. of Richard and Judy doesn't listen to the other shows and why would they assume exactly exactly yeah yeah but isn't it kind of like when they get any other celebrity on and it seems like you're hearing the same interview 10 times but that's just how things are i think it i mean they don't interview i mean well i think personally they don't always interview them just to uh you know to get information they interview them because it's publicity and because they have to interview them, it's like we we want to hear different questions. But they wouldn't if they are say why is Sirius's eyes grey or were they grey? People wouldn't you know people tuning in would think what the hell are they talking about? We don't want to know mm -hmm. detail as complicated as that. Whereas we do. So it's like they interview people to the extent that they have to be interviewed and that they have to ask specific questions for it to be popular and for people to tune in. And also if right. they ask questions like that about Harry dying, then it's going to hit the papers as well. Whereas if they ask about Sirius's eyes being grey, it isn't going to be like you know, news flash. Yeah. Serious eyes are great yeah. because he, Touché. you know, Touché. right. But Jamie, well, the reason I'm saying that is because the reason I was sort of griping about it is because every this happens once every six months. It seems like there'll be a, a big media explosion because J.K. Rowling will but say it, something that oh, it's to do with Harry revival though. Killed too. Ben, it's to do with revival. It's like even though for us. Harry Potter is, is ongoing, and for a big part of the population, it's ongoing. For just the general reader who's read it, and then that's it. You know, Harry dying in the seventh book is a newsflash. It's something new, you know, whereas whereas for, for us, it's been talked about to death. So, you know, it's like they're just catering for the public, the general public, not for the big Potter fans. Yeah, and but I know it general... happens at... If the general Go public doesn't read the book, why do they care? <laughs> well, no, well, no, they do read it, but it's like when they see J.K., rolling on there they think oh right she's the 
author of Harry Potter, not, you know, she started all these interviews, she owns a website, she talks about us. You know, they don't think about all the things that we that we talk about, you know, that we think about. Uh, they think that she wrote Harry Potter and they associate her with that name. So when they talk about that Harry Potter's going to die, it's a lot more important than if they talk about, you know, Lily Evans dying. But of course, for us, it's completely different. But you can't you can't look at it from a subjective point of view like that. I think the reason why so many television news stations have been reporting on the story is because it's a good sell. It's a good teaser. Well, exactly, yeah. When, yep. when, when people are, you know, when the news hosts are saying, coming up, J.K. Rowling reveals that people die, are yeah. die in book seven, yeah. Oh, I'll tell my kids this, and they'll finally talk to me, and I'll be able to start straight <laughs> and, the conversation yeah, and with them. Like, all that. It's a good sell. People, it's, you know. people dying is a big <laughs> thing as well in any book, you know, right. so it's like, especially yeah. Potter's. So in like, any media, well, people dying is a It's not like we're seeing a uh, series of unfortunate events on the news where Lemmy Snicket reveals how many people are dying in the next book. Nobody cares, but it's the fact <laughs> that it's Harry Potter. Exactly. But also, why would J.K. Rowling... Do this interview with Richard and Judy when there's no book in sight, and it's sort of a downtime, and this isn't normal for her. She doesn't just come on, on come on and do interviews like this. Now, one of one of the points of uh, having her on was because this was the new Richard and Judy, I believe. This was their new season or whatever, and yeah, coming back yeah. and they're live and fresh and look at what we can do. Um, why did she do this, Jamie? I've seen it, Rich and Judy, a few times. It's a very relaxed show. I it mean, is, yeah. even though even though after people, you know, the media will catch up whatever she said, it's. I'm sure she felt extremely relaxed doing it. It it, it isn't like. I mean, do you guys know Paxman, Jeremy Paxman? He's a political interviewer over here, and he's just he's so horrible to the people. He'll just f- fire the same questions at them. He asked um, Tony Blair the same question fifteen times because he didn't respond. To, 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 to it, he, he just kept, you know, dodging it. And, uh, but, r- sounds you know, like Richard... Bill O'Reilly. Huh? Yeah. Sounds like Bill O'Reilly. Oh, right, yeah. yeah it I mean, does yeah. sound like Bill O'Reilly. But, um, oh. but yeah, she, the, these people are just completely different. It's just a relaxed, you know, seating area where they just talk. It, it isn't even really an interview, you know. It's just, um, yeah. it's just a chat. And I think she just wants, you know, I mean, she obviously wants to tell people about what's going on. She wants to create discussion, you know. It's just like, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I, th- I think, I think J.K. Rowling has been very good about slipping tidbits of information to make it so that it, oh, yeah. you know the fan base isn't going stagnant where we just have all this information and we're just sitting on it you know and yeah i think this yeah. was a great opportunity for I her to it... do exactly that throw a little twist in things and give us the information i just found it interesting because um with book six jk rowling only granted one interview to a u.s uh publication like a newspaper or magazine and then to one media outlet, which was uh, the Today Show, and I can't remember if she did that for people in England. I'm it's, sure she did. It means every single interview is more valuable. It's like um, my teacher oh, yeah. ages ago t- told me a story that if he found two like w- priceless stamps, like you know, two were made, he'd burn one so that he had one, and it was worth even more. It's just like that. That you know, interviews by her are worth are worth an absolute. You know, you know. They're waiting gold just because she doesn't do many, right. and so every single person tunes in when she does. I mean, I'm sure Richard and Judy's viewing figures went up massively for that show. Oh yeah, well, especially now they're getting all this uh, publicity yeah, exactly. with all these separate news articles. So that's that. Anyone else want to bring anything up? Well, that transitions nicely into uh, our next discussion. Yes, it does. Who is going to die in book seven? Because now we know two additional people are going to die on top of the quote-unquote 
bloodbath that we will be seeing. And she also gave the reprieve. reprieve Who said it was a bloodbath? To she did. did she? Where did she say that? Yeah. Bloody hell! Uh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cry. Oh, I will too. <laughs> oh, it, it's it's a war. She said it's gonna be a bloodbath. Um, she gave the reprieve to one person. She gave a reprieve oh, to one person. When... We had a poll. We have a poll up on Mugonet, and I'll just look right now. And uh, well, never gonna. I'll vote Harry. And fans on Mugonet, the number one response right now is <laughs> no idea. But that's right under twenty percent. The Second person is Snape at sixteen point nine percent. Snape being um, the person who dies. Oh okay. no, who who got saved? So, what do you guys think, Laura? What do you think? I don't know. The more and more I've thought about it, I think maybe Ron might have gotten the reprieve because a lot yeah, of fans have right. noticed have noticed a good amount of evidence pointing towards Ron's death. I agree sprinkled with that. Throughout yeah, the books, and I, I would l- just be hysterical if Ron died. So I hope that he doesn't. I love you, Laura. That's brilliant. Well, that's on that up real quick. <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, I think oh. I think that sounds right. Well, um, yeah. okay. Should we just go on then to four? Well, well yeah. <laughs> well, huh? Should we just go on to four? What constitutes a main uh, a main well, character? Well, who do we think will die? Who Who are yeah. the two people? Yeah. Uh, well, two additional people yeah. on top of uh, uh, more people. That That's what bugs me about this. All this press <laughs> the story has been getting because we already. We've Ew. we've known that for a while that it's a lot of people are going to be dying. We as MongoNet should release a press release saying a ton of people are going to die. And imagine the press we're going to get. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so, uh, so who do we think will die? Let's go around the table here. Ah, good Kevin, question. Um, well, I think one of the trio is definitely going to die. I honestly still think Ron is, and I honestly still think Hagrid is. So I would say those two people. Yeah, I think we've got to get away from uh, seeing the trio as exactly. children still. It's like, because mm-hmm. I think about seeing them as, you know, it's uh, Snape, McGonagall, you know, Dumbledore as the adults, and Harry, Ron, Hermione. How can they die? They're, you know, they're children, but it it, it isn't like that at all, because um, Voldemort doesn't differentiate between, you know, children and adults. So I think I think you're absolutely right. One of the trio has to die. I mean, they they, you know, they can't not, because I think if they don't, then... Joe wouldn't be portraying the whole thing, you know, accurately because they can't. the The thing that they face now, it's just improbable that all three of them will get through unscathed. You know. Right. And could the chess match be foreshadowing this with Ron sacrificing himself? Yeah. Well, a lot of people have thought that. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting theory um, because a lot of people relate um, all the foreshadowing to what we saw in book one with uh, the tasks that they had to get around. So, yeah. Well, and it's. What were you gonna say, Laura? Well, I think that's definitely a very important thing to point out because if you look at the series, it's almost symmetrical in a way. Because if you look at book one, it's possibly going to have connections to book seven. Book two had connections to book six book three had connections to book five, and so on and so forth. So I think that there is definitely some foreshadowing in that department. Um, as for Ron dying, I think that out of the trio, he's probably the most likely. Yeah, I but agree. But at this point, I'm not sure about it. I think that Snape is definitely a likely character to take the axe. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why he'll do it or 
what side he'll be on when he does. I was reading a few um, theories in the COS forums, and some people seem to think that Snape would die in in saving Harry's life and ultimately proving that he is good. Because, you know, it's been going back and forth throughout the series, and finally this could be the final moment. On the other hand, he could die being bad, so... It's a bit... There's so many possibilities with Snape. I was going to say two things. It's a bit kind of, um, I don't know, fairy tale-ish to, to think that, you know, if one person does something bad, he's got to redeem himself by ultimately doing something good for the person who he's been bad to. Like, you know, Snape uh, could die saving Harry, and um, uh, Wormtail could save Lupin using his, you know, using his, um, his uh, hand and kill Greyback or something, but it's just, I don't know, I just don't think you can, I don't think you can see the books as uh, having sort of catharsis at the end of them, you know, everything being wrapped up and all emotions being purged at the end. It's more like, you know, things happen won't necessarily be um, in equilibrium. Yeah, I have for a question. all we know, I'm Snape could die and save Ron. And save Ron, yeah, but... Okay, if, my question is, is if Harry... Okay, if Snape has a life debt or whatever to Harry's dad because he died because James saved Snape's life, if Snape dies in the process saving Harry's life, does Harry technically own a life debt to Snape? Then? Well, yeah, it's like it's just ongoing. You can't it's circular. But the thing is, yeah, um, life debts don't have to uh, involve the person dying to save them. They could just save them by, you know, shooting the person dead who's about to kill them. It's like, he, he, he can owe him in all different, you know, ways and pay him back in all different ways. It isn't like, you know, one person has to die to save the other and, and, and then one of that person's relations has to die to save him, I think. You know, a life debt just means he owes him big time, you know. Okay. But um, I was going to say, do you think Harry could cope with Ron dying? Because then it would be his godfather, Dumbledore, and Ron, not to mention his parents. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that because when you think about motivations for yeah. Harry to do what he needs to do, I think Sirius yeah. and Dumbledore constitute for enough of one. I'm not I sure agree. that yeah, there would be any point to killing Ron at this point. I don't know. I've always been... Okay, there's a yellow card song called Avondale. They talk about how real life ain't no fairy tale. <laughs> and it's just my belief that Real life ain't no fairy tale. <laughs> Joe, yeah, that, and that and that Joe realizes this too, and I just don't think it would make sense for, uh, you know, as you said, catharsis or whatever. Catharsis, where yeah. Everything ends up so. It's a, everything it's a purging of so emotions. It's a purging of emotions. Like you know, um, one person dies on one side, one person dies on the other, and everything's sorted. This bigger battle, all the ends can't be tied up. You know, it's just absolutely impossible. Right. And well. Does, does good always triumph? No, of evil? course not. No, yeah. and she, so she it, realizes that. Do you think? I mean, I think it would be pretty cool if Voldemort. But won. no, he he can't. Call well, yeah, let's, let's, let's mm, talk about that so. because there's been a lot of speculation over Harry's death, especially now that J.K. Rowling has suggested that. Well, I've never really felt felt tempted to kill off Harry before the seventh book because. Um, she doesn't want authors in the future to yeah. write Yeah, how could you uh, kill Harry before the seventh yeah, book true. anyway? 
Well, I mean, that, what's no, what would no. seven be? Yeah, yeah, right. no, no, honestly, I think I think it would be pretty. Hold on, hold on. I think it would be pretty cool. You know, when they're talking about the death that was going to happen in book five, Eric and I had a discussion about this, and we thought it would be neat. This is like way before Mugglecast. If the person who died in book five was Harry, yeah, that's really neat. And then. <laughs> now hold on, hold on, yeah, and then, then book be. then book six was trying to uh, find a way to re, re, bring someone back from dying. And the the thing is, right? You're forgetting that she's she's human. If you spent the best part of two decades writing septology, you I think you'd have to be a pretty hard human to kill off the main character, one that you've clearly fallen in love with. Over the time. You would have to be a you would have to be a hard human, but that's what would make this series <laughs> series series. It so wouldn't special. be special. Though. I think, think how many people should alienate. Yeah, I think would. how many people sh- should alienate think, doing that. It's funny because people yeah. outside of the Harry Potter fandom think, oh, she would never kill Harry. That would absolutely kill the the fandom. I mean, think about the merchandising and the publicity and the movies. You can't even call on Harry Potter if you have, your main character is dead. But in reality. I think it's completely possible, especially this 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 uh, new interview was definitely interesting. She wouldn't kill him off before the seventh book, but she never directly said no, and yeah, of course she's going to leave it open. Well, I don't know. I think that if Harry does die, it's going to be at the end. Of I the think it would book. be a twist, but I don't think she'd kill him. What do you guys think the chances are of one of the characters getting the reprieve being Harry? No, I, I think that's unlikely. Do you think yeah, that that's been set in stone for a while? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's he's too huge of a character. I mean, and she also said that she changed uh, the last chapter of Book 7 around a little bit, and I guess that has to do with the reprieve. But it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know. I just, I just think it would be pretty sweet if Voldemort won. I understand what you guys are saying about the books relating to real life because I feel that way too. And I think that it would be a really gross, you know, underestimate of the horrors of war if everybody that we love, you know, gets through it. But at the same time, I think that we have to remember that there's a certain formula to this because it is a book. And for instance, if it were absolutely 100% real, then Voldemort wouldn't wait until the end of every school year to attack Harry. Yeah, I agree. If I'm so confident that Harry won't die, if Harry dies, I will record myself eating 50 jumbo sausages. Um, <laughs> put it on the internet. Okay, I'm hold you I swear that. to God okay. I'll do that. A video, a video. Yeah, this is going to be yeah, a video, right? Yeah. We'll stick it on yeah. YouTube. Okay. I swear to everyone I will do that. So you're, you're honestly that convinced. Harry is Harry not going to die. die. I, I can put myself in her situation. I, I just could not kill off my main character. I just don't think it's going to be like he kills he kills Voldemort. Yeah, then see, he's I lying don't there see that wounded. I, I just can't. Like cliche, like... Just, I just, I just cannot. I, I can't picture myself reading Harry dying. It's just everything he's done, everything Ginny? he's been through. I just don't think it's going to happen. Just look at no, the, it, she's important well, now. Dying. Nobody cares about <laughs> exactly, Ginny. and just, that's Harry all. cares about Ginny. <laughs> Okay, Harry does, but who cares? Harry's going to die anyway. <laughs> look at book five and look at book six. Sirius and Dumbledore are so close to Harry, and they're yeah, both but... pretty big characters in the books. J.K. Rowling yeah, but hard some you-know-what to cut off those but, characters. No. So no, now, I, I think it's all leading up no, to but Harry Andrew, dying. There's a... And Ben, let's do a special podcast on this. In these books, the only thing that really matters is him. It's the only thing that everyone's concerned about. Everything in... That book is backstory apart from his quest. I think you just—I just couldn't right. imagine her ever killing him off. And I'm betting fifty sausages on it. But then it. what happens? 
But then what happens? Everyone is upset. Everyone feels the emotion, and that's the whole point of the series. And I'm convinced. Yeah, but that you Harry can still die. feel that same emotion if Harry's alive, because you're yeah, seeing and he's his sitting there crying because no, Hermione's dying. About yeah. his friends and yeah, but you will feel the most emotion feel... if Harry dies, and either J.K. Rowling sitting here listening to the shaking her head, or she's like <laughs> thumbs up in approval. Here's, yeah. here's what you don't understand about me. Okay, I was crying Laura, before Dumbledore died. I'm going to yeah, break because you're a big baby. Open. No, when I open book seven, I'm just going <laughs> to burst into tears. I'm just going to start too. crying all over the place. The Great. final point that I would like to make with this discussion is that J.K. Rowling says she does not want to leave it open for anybody to write a sequel. The only way she can accomplish that is by killing Harry. Yes, Ooh. absolutely right. But is it now, is that is it worth... People fiction already. People write... Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm sure she can copyright something. She can copyright it in a way that stops people writing... Um, you know, it, it's a bit over the top no going to, kill, to, publish. to kill him just because, you know. Yeah, but then you're going to get people. Harry's going to die. character's called Perry Hotter. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Like get, get this, get this. A year from now, you're going to look back on this, and we're going to be playing the recording for you when you're eating your sausages, okay? Because <laughs> but, no, but then, you're going to be upset. Because I agree, I probably will, but um, I just don't. She can. She could stop every single bit of fan fiction now if she wanted to. Parry Hotter is only around because she allows it to be around, and, and Warner Brothers allowed to be around. They own absolutely everything to do with that. The word Quidditch you can't use without, you know. It's like if she if she wanted to stop sequels being written, she could she could um, stop sequels um, being written. It, it is a bit. She doesn't have to kill Harry off to stop sequels being written. True, it's just true. I just can't see it happening. But. If you want to send in... He's going to die. He's going to die. Can we move on? Yeah, everyone has to die, dude, so I you're wrong. The final chapter is the epilogue, correct? Yes. So, I mean, in reality, that's sort of going to help kill off any sequels, any, yeah, any it's thoughts true, yeah. of people creating uh, sequels. But at the same time, it would be an excellent ending. Jamie, it is time for your British joke of the day. Um, and I'll just say, I've posted this on the fan forum already, but since I am... Um, oh completely uninspired and can't find a joke, I thought I'd say, say, say to go on here for all the people who missed it. Uh, there's this guy, and I'm, I bought a telescope off him. This, this telescope's worth £150, and I bought, off, I bought it off him for £10,000. He must have seen me coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Crap joke of the show. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Are they getting worse? Are they getting worse? People, please write in and tell me how how bad they're getting. A little weak. That one was a little weak. Like little. Monday so. to Tuesday. <laughs> 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 okay, well that does wrap up MongoCast 46. Again, uh, completely unlive and pre-recorded. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Shane. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Jamie Lawrence. Last, again. And least. Don't. <laughs> Jamie, you can host the whole entire right, show excellent. next week. You're, you're going to be on. Yep, for the until next Vegas. Week, right? Vegas. Oh, cool. Sweet. Uh, don't forget, everyone, vote for us in the podcast awards because we want to win. Not go to California. Go to California. Because we want to go to <laughs> California. And, you know, it would just be. Come on, Andrew, wrap it up. What would it be? I'm trying to think what it would be. Awesome. It would, awesome. It would be an convivial. honor to win a podcast award. It would awesome. be convivial. Yes. <laughs> yes, it would. We'll see everyone next week for episode 47. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
I've also... Hey, Andrew, you want to stop through... Sorry, Laura. Okay. No, let's wait till the chapter okay. discussion. Well, well I've also... Like over half, okay, I did. Over half the show. <laughs> no, we have, we've played nice. more than half the show. Laura. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. You have to put that <laughs> in as a blooper. I was frustrated. 